Welcome to today's discussion, Academic Insights, the Future of Intel, sponsored by American Military University. Now here's your host, J.J. Green. Welcome, and thanks for joining us. My guest today is Eric Kleinsmith, Associate Vice President for Strategic Relations in Intelligence, National and Homeland Security, and Cyber at American Military University. Eric, thank you for being here. I appreciate you having me. Let me start off by asking you to talk a little bit about your career background and give us some sense of your military career and then your time in higher education, how it all fits together. Okay. Um, I actually started as a commissioned officer in the Army. There uh, was a, a program in the Army called Branch Detail where you spend the first few years in combat arms, which I was a, a tanker and a scout platoon leader. I switched, switched over to intelligence uh, as a captain and continue that up until uh, I, I left the service in April of 2001. My uh, spent some time as a counterintelligence company commander in the Balkans. Um, I did some, my tactical, uh, they call it S2 time, but uh, one of the officers that was, uh, one of my commanders was now a retired General Ham. I was his intel officer when he was a lieutenant colonel. And I finished up in the military as uh, the chief of intelligence for a new organization in the Army called the Land Information Warfare Activity which specialized in deception, psyops, electronic warfare, cyber defense, uh, really all the new areas that the military was getting into the late 90s uh, around the millennium. How did that part of your career prepare you for what you're doing now? It, it, all of that is really, and, and it's for any career, that builds your foundations for your knowledge base of which direction you're going to go in the future. Uh, after you get to you know a certain age, you know when you're combat arms, you think you're young and invincible, and uh, after you know you, you start getting up into your years, you know you can't run a gun like you used to. Yeah, I know. Uh, you've got kids at home, so your entire focus changes from per for personal reasons. Uh, it's one of the reasons why I chose to be to then switch to become a defense contractor, so I could continue doing intel work. Uh, you know, and, you know, serve serve my country as best as possible in a, in a new fashion. Defense contractor work has changed a lot since then. Absolutely. And I'm only gonna guess that you have had to rely very heavily on your skill sets um, from your military career uh, and uh, I guess your own intuitions. Absolutely. To 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 sort of navigate the gauntlet. Absolutely, especially as, as a defense contractor, you already have to know, you know, the different government organizations that you're working with, especially in the intel community, the different agencies, who does what, who to talk to, who, you know, part of your network that you've already built active duty. Uh, that's a very big disadvantage for folks in the tactical environment because you spend all your time in, out in the field deployed with combat arms guys. It's really not until you get, you know, essentially around the beltway where you figure out these are the folks at DIA that do this. These are the folks at, you know, other three leather agencies that, that can help me here or that I have to, you know, coordinate whatever we're working. So right now, one of the things that's hard to miss mm -hmm. is the intense and potent nature of the political climate around the globe. Right. And the U.S. as the epicenter of every intelligence agency on earth right. has been essentially the place where we've seen um, most, most, of the, most of the fireworks emerge. And, and I'm very curious to know, where do you see, uh, considering all that, the future of intelligence heading right, right. now? Well, just, and just for starters, it's, you know, I, I still go off the, the, the thought that politics that gets into intelligence ruins intelligence. Uh, intelligence is now, there. Explain that. Well, intelligence is there to support 
a customer. We're worthless unless we're providing support to somebody else. And so, yes, these intelligence reads and assessments and collection, the things that we do, uh, we're going to be giving them to somebody who is going to turn that into, possi possibly could turn that into a political uh, statement or campaign or whatever. It's not our job to do that at our side. Uh, you know, we can, you take a piece of wood, you can make some furniture out of it, but you don't grow the furniture into a piece of, you know, or grow the wood exactly. into a piece of furniture. That's not what Intel does. The more it gets seeped into our own assessments, our own bias, our own collection efforts, what we do, um, if, you know, who we're doing it for, if we're doing it specifically for a political purpose, and then we're wrong. You know, and, and it's interesting you bring that point up because typically intelligence, and by nature, intelligence is quiet. Uh, right. It's designed for, from a military point of view, right. as you know, um, for decision advantage. Right. Exactly. And politicizing it would seem to be a, uh, the antithesis of what it is you do, but there are, other, there are folks out there who use the stuff that, that, right. that the wrong way. Right. Talk a little bit about the commercial sector and, 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 and um, its role. And, and again, that's, that's really the direction that intelligence is going to. And, and take, this, take it you know, from the media standpoint, where in the, in the past decades, the, the media was you know, your, your top three newspapers, your top three TV stations, you know, a, a smattering of radio stations. And now media is everywhere. The same thing has happened to intelligence. It has exploded outside of the intelligence community. There are more jobs and more, the market space for Intel is in the state and local, it's in private sector. Every large company that does any kind of work, especially if it's international work, has to have a security, they don't call it intelligence, they'll call it security section or something like that. Um, they have to protect their secret sauce, they have to protect their executives, uh, uh, from a personal standpoint, their physical security of their offices and locations, their networks. And if they're m moving into a new environment, they have to understand from a competitive nature what their, what their competitors are doing, what their you know, rival companies are doing. So that, all those functions, it's still part of the same foundational things that you do in Intel. Instead of doing it for the national government or for the national dis military decision maker, you're now doing it for a CEO. Cybersecurity has really become a focal point right. um, now. Have you seen the appropriate amount of attention paid to it? Yes and no. Um, the, the yes part is there, we are paying a ton of attention to it from a technological standpoint. Or I've seen it, this has not changed, my, my opinion hasn't changed in 20 years, is we have not fused in the other aspects of intelligence into the cyber community. Uh, just recently went to a talk uh, with a, a, a fairly renowned expert in, in the DC area on cybersecurity, and the first question I asked was, "What are you doing to analyze the threats of the of the folks that are doing the cyber attacks, not just the ones and zeros and the forensics of the attack?" He said, well, "We're not looking at any of that." And, and it's and it's the same answer I've gotten for 20 years. Why are we not? analyzing our threats, the, the groups that are doing it from a human standpoint, and now there's talk about this, what's called convergence. Yes. You have to, you have to combine counterintelligence, you have to combine human and signals. Those have to be part of cyber. You just can't leave it to the engineers and say, do what you do, let us know when you found something. Very complicated milieu. We'll get into more of it. Yeah. My guest today is Eric Kleinsmith, Associate Vice President for Strategic Relations and Intelligence, National and Homeland Security and Cyber at American Military University. I'm your moderator, JJ Green, on Academic Insights, the future of Intel, sponsored by 
American Military University on Federal News Radio, part of the Federal News Network. American Military University is recognized by the NSA as a national center of excellence for cyber defense education and proudly serves our nation's cybersecurity community. AMU is at the forefront of cyber education, offering online bachelor's and master's degrees and certificates designed for the modern cyber warrior and respected by area employers. Programs are affordable and classes are monthly to fit your life. Start today at amuonline.com. AMU is part of American Public University System, which is certified to operate by Chef. Welcome back to Academic Insights, the future of Intel, sponsored by American Military University on Federal News Radio, part of the Federal News Network. My guest today is Eric Kleinsmith, Associate Vice President for Strategic Relations and Intelligence, National and Homeland Security and Cyber at American Military University. I'm your moderator, J.J. Green. Eric, um, fascinating conversation. Um, I want to get back to something we were talking about um, a little earlier. Um, you, as, a, as a defense contractor, um, you clearly had to think, from an analytical point of view, you clearly had to think broader than just what's on the paper, just what you hear, right. just beyond the pocket trash or right. pocket litter or whatever right. that you're piecing together um, narratives with. Um, and the thing about this whole era that we're in now, it's more important than ever to be able to connect minute pieces of intelligence mm -hmm. that may not be in the same place. So when you were doing that work earlier, what kind of trends did you see, basically predict or forecast or think were coming based on what you were seeing? Part of what, you know, part of what the, the shock was, and again, as a defense contract, I was primarily responsible for training. Uh, it was a, a U.S. Army training program, and I ended, uh, started with seven instructors in 2002 and ended up with 156 uh, by the time I left uh, in 2015. And part of what we've seen is there's, is that there's almost a, a pendulum shift that goes back and forth on we want technical training, we want tools, we want the latest tools, and we need people trained on that. And then by focusing on that, the, after a year or so or two years, it swings back, says, you know, we're really sore in critical thinking. We've lost our ability to do threat profiling or, or deeper types of analysis. And this is especially true with the youngest generation of analysts, the, the, the millennials that have been there and then the next generation. Th these kids grew up without knowing a world without a cell phone right at their fingertips. Right. They grew up with, uh, you know, and your search engine is not your friend. And th they've been brought up to, tell, to say that. Just the term just Google it seems to be the answer to everything. And so we are seeing with the next generation, and you and I can't do this, our brains aren't wired that way, but they can absorb information much easier, faster from multiple sources at the same time. But in, as a sacrifice, they're having a harder time being able to drill down into one particular subject to get to the deep root cause of something or to look at it, everything from a skeptical standpoint, says, I don't know if this search engine gave me what, every, what I was looking for. As an educator, what's the fix for that? Because, you know, you can't bring back encyclopedias and dictionaries right. in that sense. Right. But I've noticed, working with some of my younger colleagues throughout time, right. they don't ask a lot of questions right. in the process. Right. But I know that that's a key tenet of intelligence. Right. So what's the fix for that? Part of it is, is I'm a firm belief that, that intelligence, especially training and education, must always be on 
the side of the analysis, the critical thinking, the skepticism, the tools are going to change every 18 months. Mm -hmm. the, 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 and that's, that's more as well, right? That's the constant, correct. That's the constant. So it doesn't matter. We've, as a defense contractor, I think I've trained within my programs 200 different tools over, the, over a decade, and we've seen thousands of folks that want to say this tool is the greatest thing since sliced yeah. bread, it'll do this, what? We still got to go back to the same thing. What does this do to help my analysis? Does it help me collect? Does it help me make a product? What do I have to do to work around it? Those are the things that, and, and this was what happened with the military. They had the DSIG system, and we trained that. And the engineers would go out, and we called it a drive-by fielding. And they'd go out in two weeks, they'd set the whole thing up. The analysts, would, they'd give them a couple hours on it, and then they'd leave. And this is even in, in an employed area. Mm -hmm. uh, and then two weeks later, my instructor would have to come by and say, okay, this is how you actually use it. This is the new things that you can do to analyze your work, the new ways you can visualize data. And oh, by the way, now let's take some problem sets that you can work with. That's more, that to me is, is the crucial piece that always has to be there no matter what. You cannot let engineers run intelligence as a business, as a community, and as a learning center. That's very fascinating. Um, how can people coming into the intelligence community gain the kind of um, uh, education and the access to that education that's going to put them in the right spot and uh, essentially uh, um, prepare them for the, the needs of the future in, in cyber, intel, and, and other fields like homeland security? Right. I mean, what's that's really the, the, the tough part. We do not like to recognize, and it's not just as Americans, it's the entire West, we do not recognize intelligence as an academic discipline. We'll call it, you know, there's 50 plus schools that have Homeland Security for a degree. There's only a handful that will actually name it as intelligence studies. Yeah, and I imagine that you guys now at uh, AMU are hoping to change the game on a lot of this. Absolutely, I mean, that's one of the reasons why uh, you know, our average age of our students is 33, 34 years of age. So that we have folks, especially in our Intel Studies program, they're already in the workplace. And so they've used, probably come from a different walk of life. Intel is an accessions career. You, you, I tell everybody who wants to get in Intel, go do to something else first. And then once they do, bring that in, whether it's finance, chemistry, bio, you know, anything. And they'll, they'll bring that in. And then, but then you've got to come in and you have to learn going back again to the analytical aspects, the critical mm -hmm. thinking, the skepticism, that thing. I could talk about this for hours, but we only have a yep. set amount of time, and sure. we'll be back to it. My guest today is Eric Kleinsmith, Associate Vice President for Strategic Relations and Intelligence, National and Homeland Security, and Cyber at American Military University. I'm your moderator, J.J. Green, on Academic Insights, the Future of Intel, sponsored by American Military University, on Federal News Radio, part of the Federal News Network. American Military University is recognized by the NSA as a national center of excellence for cyber defense education and proudly serves our nation's cybersecurity community. AMU is at the forefront of cyber education, offering online bachelor's and master's degrees and certificates designed for the modern cyber warrior and respected by area employers. Programs are affordable and classes are monthly to fit your life. Start today at amuonline.com. AMU is part of American Public University System, which is certified to operate by Welcome back to Academic Insights, the future of Intel, sponsored by American Military University on Federal News Radio, part of the Federal News Network. My guest today, Eric Kleinsmith, Associate Vice President for Strategic Relations in Intelligence, National and Homeland Security, and Cyber, American Military University. 
I'm your moderator, J.J. Green, and Eric, we've talked about a lot of fascinating things so far, but now we're getting into the, the wheelhouse here, and I think this is where folks are really going to find uh, some very interesting things about uh, AMU. Eric, um, what makes AMU's programs unique? Well, part of what, uh, what I liked about AMU, and, I, and I'm an alumni, um, I learned about it while I was on active duty in Germany reading a military history magazine. There was an ad in the back. Um, and at that time, all the courses were correspondent. So you received your courses in a, books in a, in, you know, in a, in a box full of books, and, and that's how you took your course. Um, I was happy to get uh, my master's through AMU in 2003. And now fast forward, one of the things that strikes me the most uh, as a 100% online school is just the, the ability and the, and, the, and the robustness of both our faculty and the number of students that we have. We have uh, roughly 15 full-time faculty and about uh, over 90 part-time faculty just in intelligence studies alone. That tells you the reason why it's so large is because when you combine intelligence, um, national security, homeland security, and cyber uh, together as, as four different programs, we have about 8,600 students. That's the size of a small college within four programs. Mm-hmm. And it's the reason being is because these are all folks that are actively in the workplace. So not only are they entering our school to continue their education, but they're also bringing their own experience into the school as well. Uh, that's one of the reasons why one of our alumni is Chris Costa, who's the executive director of the Spy Museum. Museum. So with the uh, challenges of identifying reliable sources when it comes to intelligence, and, and that can be challenging, uh, intelligence collection as well, um, how do you see the intelligence professionals today combating um, you know, the problem that kind of runs beneath all of that. And, and how is this going to affect the future of, of data mining, something you're very familiar with from right. way back right. um, in terms of uh, national security efforts? Part, part of what I see is it's, it's become, and we think, well, you know, th- as technology has advanced, we've become more and more able to grab whatever information that we need, and that's not true. We're grabbing a ton of noise but now the analyst has to, has to, is, is almost overwhelmed with, in, with information that has been politically loaded, that has been biased or has been censored or protected or whatever from the source that they got it from. So they, they, they not only have to review the, the, the original source where that information came from, but they now have to evaluate how did it get to them mm-hmm. and what filters were put in place and who under the name of, well, that's hate speech or whatever, who filtered that out. Uh, according to uh, you know, according to their own bias or according to their own rules, our, our kids in high school and I and I go into the high school twice a year and teach military history to local students. They are blocked from several YouTube channels because it talks about, uh, especially World War II, because it talks about the Nazis, and so they can't see any. They, they can't learn any of these uh, uh, videos that are part of it because the school system blocks that out. And mm-hmm. you're, you're not getting all, all the full story then. No matter if it's good or bad or you like it or you're not, you're still not getting the full story. Yeah. One, and, of, the, one of the, go ahead. Well, there's, intelligence analysts have that problem tenfold. Mm. One of the things that I've been um, thinking about and talking about quite a lot in the last few months has been this problem of veracity when it comes to intelligence. And a part of it is, is, part of the problem is stuff like deep fakes and, other things that complicate the nature, that compl- com- the, the complicate essentially, they tarnish the veracity of intelligence. Right, right. And just, again, just like I talked about how the media has expanded outside uh, the, the core and so has intel, well, so has information operations, so has psychological operations and deception. All the fake news, all fake news essentially is propaganda. That, that's all it is, is somebody trying to push 
an ideology or a message rather than tell you the story or hide it within the story. And the way there are ways you can combat that. There is use of data mining tools that you can use. And one of the ways, and, and I showed it in a, an article I recently wrote for uh, In Public Safety, our, our school's online uh, magazine, was we showed a technique how we search for common terms that everybody would use. Mm -hmm. uh, and so you could see, a, so let's say we're using a term like gravitas. You can use data mining tools just to show here's where it started, here's where it propagated, what other sources picked it up and use that as part of their spin. Or like the kerfuffle term. Any of them, you know, any of them. There's, there's been several yeah. that we've done, and we did this running in on a, on a uh, national elections on a foreign country, showing the propaganda that was being used during that elections on, on the foreign country. Speaking of the foreign country, yeah. a lot of this uh, disinformation is, 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 is coming out these days, and it's not just from that one country. Right. Other countries are picking up this tactic, Absolutely. jumping on the bandwagon. Right. What, what are you seeing in terms of the capabilities of these people? It's, it's an easy capability to replicate anywhere. Mm -hmm. It's just, you may have some very robust organizations and some of our largest competitors or adversaries, but any country can pick that up. But you can also hide it and, and, and move it just as a, as a hacker would jump around from IP address to IP address before he makes his insertion. Mm -hmm. You can do that with a message as well and have that bounce around to hide its true source. You've got a book coming out. I'm interested in hearing about it. Tell us about it in some detail. Sure. About it. Uh, I, was, uh, I, I write articles, again, for our online blogs, and I was approached by Cognella Publishers out of San Diego, and we decided to, to start putting together a book about intelligence operations, and that's the title of the book, Intelligence Operations, Understanding the Data, the Tools, and the People, the Processes that Go Into Them. The, with intelligence literature that is out there and sources for people to learn, there is a lot of readily available sources on the intelligence community, uh, historical aspects, or something about spies and spines, or now the, now with the Iraq and Afghanistan, the, the, the I was there books. Mm -hmm. um, what you don't have is a, is a real hands-down guide that says this, you know, if you're starting an, oper an intelligence operation and you want to improve your own operation, whether you're in government or commercial, here's the nuts and bolts of what you need to look at just with your people, just with the tools that you want to put in there, mm -hmm. or the processes that you, need to, that you need to consider and go through and all the issues with that to make it an efficient organization. Perfect. Comes out in December, and I can't wait to read it. Thank, thank you. you. I'd like to thank my guest again, Eric Kleinsmith, Associate Vice President for Strategic Relations in Intelligence, National and Homeland Security and Cyber at American Military University. I'm your moderator, J.J. Green, and you're listening to Federal News Radio, part of the Federal News Network. For more on this discussion, visit Federal News Network and search Academic Insights. Listen to the entire discussion of Academic Insights, the future of Intel, sponsored by American Military University at federalnewsnetwork.com. American Military University is recognized by the NSA as a national center of excellence for cyber defense education and proudly serves our nation's cybersecurity community. AMU is at the forefront of cyber education, offering online bachelor's and master's degrees and certificates designed for the modern cyber warrior and respected by area employers. Programs are affordable and classes are monthly to fit your life. Start today at amuonline.com. AMU is part of American Public University System, which is certified to operate by Chef. Every three minutes, someone is diagnosed with a blood cancer.
This October is your chance to be part of the cure at the Leukemia and Lymphoma Society's Light the Night. Together, survivors and supporters will bring light to the darkness of cancer, raising money to advance breakthroughs and give hope to patients. With walk sites in Rockville, Northern Virginia, and the National Mall, LLS is taking steps to end cancer. Find out more at lightthenight.org nca.